e-learning, online learning, technology, it's cheaper, it's more accessible. You, you don't have to have as much money. You can be taking the same class wherever you are in the world. Awesome, that's great. That doesn't mean that technology is gonna solve all our problems. Or it doesn't mean that the future of learning is only technology or that the future of work is only remote work, digital work. So let's question that assumption. Doesn't mean we know the correct answer, but let's start to have the conversation around what is the right interplay? What is the right balance? Welcome to Voices of Esalen. I'm Sam Stern. My guest today is Adam Pozwolski, best-selling author of The Quarter Life Breakthrough. Adam has spoken widely about millennials, employee engagement, and intergenerational collaboration at a host of Fortune 500 companies and universities. He's also a leader at Esalen, where he's well-known for an experiential seminar called Digital Detox, based around responsible and balanced engagement with technology. His writing has been published in The Washington Post, Fast Company, Time, Business Insider, and his work has been featured in USA Today, Mashable, Forbes, Vice, CNN, CNBC, and the World Economic Forum, among others. So, Adam, thanks so much for uh, taking the time to talk to us during this rather strange quarantine edition of Everybody's Lives. Uh, we're recording this mid-May. 2020. You are somewhat of an expert on technology and our relation to it. So I wanted to start just by having you speak about some of the programs that you've offered at Esalen in the past. Uh, Digital Detox is the one that, that I've heard about. Would you, would you talk a little bit about the, the premises of that workshop? Sure. So um, I've actually been offering uh, workshops at Esalen for, for several years. First one I did was in uh, 2016, which was actually a workshop called Come Alive in Your 9 to 5, all about building a meaningful career and a purpose-driven career for 20-somethings. Uh, so I tend to write and research uh, and speak about millennials in the workplace and this search and quest for meaningful work and purpose in your life. The first offering I gave at Esalen was really kind of related to that work and this idea that young people are really looking to have a career with purpose. And that is actually very linked to one of my other passions, which is, you know, bringing people together and the quest for community and purpose-driven community. I think that those go hand in hand. What young people are looking for is this in-person connection and in-person community. So I've been a counselor with a summer camp for adults called Camp Grounded, Camp Grounded Digital Detox, which was started by one of my best friends, a man named Levi Felix, who uh, passed away from a, a brain tumor in uh, 2017. And it was really all about uh, digital detox, bringing people together for a weekend in the Redwoods to unplug from their devices, to reconnect to what they care about, both professionally, personally, and just give people a chance to unplug. We, we lock everyone's cell phones away. If they brought iPads to the Redwoods, we take those phones, watches, Apple watches, laptops, even digital cameras and give people a chance to forget uh, what time it is, to not use their real names, to not talk about work, and to just play and kind of reconnect to that inner child. Not just millennials, actually, people of all ages. And so we started doing a digital detox workshop at Esalen, um, a mini version of kind of Camp Grounded, a, a, a digital detox at, at Esalen, which is kind of a perfect place for a digital detox because up until recently, obviously, there wasn't even Wi-Fi or cell phone service on the property. 
and you'd rarely see people on their phones or on their computers. Now you see some people in the dining room checking email or people posting an Instagram pic of, of them standing in front of the, uh, the the beautiful Big Sur Coast Pacific Ocean, which is understandable. It's a very picturesque place. But it's a very, I think, the perfect setting to host a retreat all around kind of recentering with yourself and remembering what really matters in life. And they've been really spectacular. Usually about 50 or 60 folks come. And it's a great chance to kind of take some of the work that Levi and Brooke had built in a different context, right? And, and change the setting. So instead of a summer camp for adults, it's at Esalen, which is a camp in, summer camp in some other ways, but a little bit of a different kind of vibe and a little bit more relaxing and low key. Camp can be a little bit more about play and energy and high energy and sh- playing and sharing. And Esalen is a little bit more about slowing down uh, reconnecting. Cool. Yeah. So I have a, a two-part question for you. One, uh, uh, just curious to hear if you have any, um, I don't know, anecdotes or just reports on what are some of the benefits that some of the people uh, can achieve by taking part in the digital detox. And then I, w- I would love for you to speak about the current situation of the quarantine that we're experiencing, because I think that a lot of people are turning more to their devices and to technology for stimulation, for entertainment etc. for connections. So in your opinion, does that kind of change the playing field for for digital detox? So yeah, I think it's an interesting time right now. I mean, we know from the data that, you know, heavy internet users are 2.5 times as likely to be depressed, teenagers who spend more time on screen activities are more likely to be unhappy. Uh, You know, research has linked rising rates of uh, teen mental health challenges, including depression, anxiety, suicide to increased Uh, smartphone and social media use. The benefits of digital detox can include better sleep, having a healthier life in many different ways. So we know that technology is having a, or an addiction to technology is having kind of a negative impact on our own health. There is a physical connection between the amount of time you spend looking at a screen and, and your body and how your brain works. Some research has shown that using the internet and frequently changing between different windows is kind of similar to the effects of of, of full-on cocaine use on the brain. And we're not prepared for that. So this is an interesting time when, because of the realities of the world and, and COVID-19, more people have to be spending more time online, right? That's how we're working. We're moving towards remote work. You know, instead of gatherings and events, people are hosting Zoom meetups and happy hours. This is kind of the, the new normal. This is how we're working. I still think that we need to recognize the dangers of technology and call them out and the dangers to our health and wellness, especially now, right? I mean, if you think about it, you know, the average American adult, I think, spends eight to 10 hours a day, at least of screen time. It might be closer to 10 to 12 at this point. That's actually not just young people. That's people of all ages. That was before coronavirus. So if you think about that now with most people spending their time working from home, likely looking at a screen in most cases, and then maybe even after work watching Netflix, this is super dangerous. So on the one hand, I want to do, I want to kind of um, highlight that, hey, these tech, these tools can keep us together in a time when we're becoming increasingly disconnected, right? This idea of being together while we're all alone in our homes. And I've been hosting a, you know, a Zoom Shabbat every Friday night of people lighting candles and friends and family gathering and saying a prayer and thinking about those who are sick and getting a chance to sing together and laugh together and cry together. It's really powerful, especially when we're all going through this collective pain and grief and sadness 
I think it's not, it's important to recognize that these tools are powerful and they can bring us together. And we need to make sure that we don't let these tools overrun our lives, especially now. So as always, and, and Levi would say this, uh, it's a balance, right? The motto of Digital Detox Camp Grounded was disconnect to reconnect. So a lot of people will look at something like Digital Detox and say, oh, these people, you know, they're Luddites. Or they're saying, you know, forget the devices. You don't need them. Just go off into the woods, disconnect, you know, go on a quest, you know, spend spend you don't need a phone like you just look up at the trees you'll you'll be able to make a living you'll find happiness and joy i mean that's crap we all know that most people are likely to rely on technology in their lives that's cool these are incredibly powerful tools they can bring us closer together we can we can solve big challenges we can figure out how to get medical equipment and ppe to those in need we can figure out how to help those who are hungry and organize food drives and raise money for our you know favorite restaurants that are closing or figure out who needs help and go deliver food and services to the elderly this is like the best things about technology right so these are incredibly powerful tools we need them thank god we have technology right now um, we probably wouldn't be able to get through this or we'd have certainly we'd be struggling more to communicate and connect with each other. And we have to remember that we can't go too far in the direction and that these are incredibly addictive technologies that are designed by companies that are trying to get us to spend as much time as possible on a screen and not ever look away. So it's a balance. And I think that that balance is kind of at the heart of um, navigating what it means to be an adult today. Um, especially for young people, kind of navigating that exchange between, ooh, I want to play games with my friend, or I'm going to get on Khan Academy, or my teacher's teaching me a lesson on Zoom, or there's this great documentary on Netflix where I'm going to learn about something, or I'm going to listen to a podcast. Cool. What awesome uses of technology. And, hey, I got to step outside and go for a walk. I got to go meditate in the sun. I need to go see a friend. And although that's becoming very hard to do logistically now of actually going and meeting people and gathering, what I also think is that people, I believe that society is going to emerge from this pandemic and crisis, all the more excited about in-person connection, in-person gatherings, the importance of having a healthy relationship with technology, detoxing, if you will, retreating, whatever you want to call it. Uh, but that balance, I think we're getting a better sense into why the balance is so important now. We've heard a lot about Zoom fatigue. We've heard a lot about, man, like it's just not the same to get on a dance party with like a bunch of people and we're all looking at the screen in boxes together. It's like, no, it's not the same. It doesn't feel good. Friendship is actually much more uh, physical. It's, it's, it's biological. Uh, it's not just psychological, right? It's not just, oh, there's my friend, oh, waving to them or press like or heart or sending them a DM or, or a comment or a emoji. Wait, oh, wait, you're telling me that doesn't feel good as feel as good than as giving them a hug? No, it doesn't, right? That's called chemistry, right? That's the physical, you know, the physical effects uh, of friendship are real. And I think people are feeling that now more than ever. They're like, oh, I just want to be in a room with people I love. I, I want to not be six feet away from them. I want to hug them. I want to look them in the eyes. It's like, why didn't we do that before all this, <laughs> right? Yeah. We had that privilege that immense. now that we don't can't do it, well, I, I believe people are going to come back from this and be like, wow, <laughs> I'm never going to take my friends for granted anymore. I'm never going to take an event that someone invites me to before and just be like, ah, I don't feel great. I'm busy. 
like I just rather watch Netflix, whatever. I mean, okay, fine. Sometimes you don't want to go to every event, but I think we're going to emerge from this as a culture, as a society yearning for the getting that, that, that oxytocin in real life. Um, you know, you mentioned I, my relationship with technology, I think I'll be the first to admit, you know, that I, you know, you, you create what you need, right? That that's one of the things people write what they need, or they create what they need, or they spend time on projects that very much reflect the, their own struggles or their own challenges or their own traumas or their own, the own work they're doing. I think it's important to, to recognize that and be honest about that. So I definitely struggle with, with technology addiction. Are you kidding me? And it's hard. And that's why I believe in programs like Digital Detox and Camp Grounded, because I know how much they've impacted my own life. I, I know how much I get from them and how that it's an ongoing learning and ongoing journey of developing habits, whether it's, you know, um, mindfulness, meditation, whether it's leaving your uh, cell phone outside of your bedroom, uh, whether it's not looking at your phone for an hour in the morning and an hour before bed, simple habits like that, not using your phone as an alarm clock, um, these types of things that have really, really helped me and that I still come back to and still find myself breaking my habits, even though I've done this 50 times, right? It's that's that's kind of the journey. And I think that anyone who's living in the digital age um, can can identify with that constant. I know this isn't good for me right now. Why am I doing it? Well, the forces that play are much more powerful than you. Uh, you know, the forces that are that are manipulating us to, you know, watch another episode of on, uh, of an addictive show on, on Netflix that are, you know, uh, sending us push notifications every time someone likes a Instagram post or a Facebook post. Um, these types of manipulations are super, super powerful. And we can prime ourselves to do better, but we, it's just going to be a lifelong battle. You don't check box. You don't get past your digital addiction, right? This is not something that uh, you solve and is over. You're like, I've achieved digital detox mastery. (sighs) I'm a free person, right? Yeah, I was uh, I was just struck by how important the work that you're doing actually is going to be, you know, because I mean, you've referred to yourself in the past as a millennial workplace expert. And so there's going to be this new reliance on on working from home. And that's not only going to redefine how jobs function and companies function, but it is going to increase the uh, the frequency with which we interact with technology. Do you think it will behoove? the typical millennial to kind of figure out some technologically delivered mode of work or would it be wisest to zig when other people are zagging and I don't know, create some sort of uh, non-technology based work value that they can offer to others? I mean, I think that's an interesting question. I think that it's both. I mean, I think that this is this is kind of the so my new book I'm, I'm working on a book called friendship in the age of loneliness the book doesn't come out till may of next year um and it's really just about the power of being a good friend and the power of in-person connection so i was talking with you know my 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 agent about this and saying hey like is this book even relevant anymore you know people are going to read this book in during coronavirus and be like i can't even 
you know, I, what do you mean in-person connection? I'm, I'm online. Everything is online. Um, there is no in-person connection. There's not going to be a conference or a gathering for a year or two years or until we have a vaccine or whatever. Right. And I was kind of lamenting about this. And she said, actually, I think you're wrong. I think people are going to be yearning for something like this, are going to be yearning for the real, for the reconnection, for the in-person. So I think that it's, you know, as we teach millennials, as we teach young people, the tools that we're using now to get through, right? If all education goes online and most of it has, right? Whether it's Zoom or online learning, we also say, okay, let's simulate the best way we can what it would be like to have a one-on-one breakout or a phone call with somebody, or maybe it's at some point when it's safe to do so, uh, taking a walk with someone in your neighborhood to to debrief the material. That we Can we incorporate these elements that are kind of harking back to what we know is more powerful and, and, uh, and a more effective way of learning? Um, so I think it's both. But I think that there, you're right, there is going to be some things that we don't go back to. Um, a lot more people will never go back to an office because the office was expensive. A lot of people don't even like going into the office. They have to spend two hours commuting. They don't get to see their families. They're in traffic. They're more productive at home. Cool. Um, I think that that's okay. If we do that in a way, we remember the power of in-person connection because a lot of the data now, this was before even the pandemic, was showing that people want remote work. They say they want it. But then they also say that they miss their coworkers and they miss their friends and that the average person uh, doesn't have a best friend at work. And that one of the things that people get a lot of meaning and joy and purpose from at work actually has nothing to do with kind of, it has to do with the relationships they have at work. Can people have those relationships just on Zoom? And if we're all spending all day long just working remotely, working digitally, are we getting as much out of it, right? What are we missing there? Do, are people going to find that long-term as meaningful? So I think these are conversations that are evolving that we need to have. There's not a right answer, but I would say that the right answer for now is let's be cautious or let's let's pump the brakes a little bit on oh, digital remote work is amazing. It's like, okay, there's some some there's some benefits here and what are the what are we losing? You know, I think a lot of people I when I talk to young people, I was doing a I did a talk for high school recently. You know, if you can imagine being a senior in high school right now in this moment right? All the things that these, these kids are missing out on graduation, prom, senior week, you know, their summer internship, getting excited about going to college in the fall. Like this is such a transition monumental time. And a lot of them are nervous. A lot of them are like, what's the point of going to college? I'm going to spend tens of thousands of dollars and go into student debt. And I don't even get to go to a campus. I'm just at my mom's, I'm in my mom's basement still. (laughs) What's the point of this? And I think that that's an important conversation to have. What is the point of it? It's not just about the classes. It's not just about the the reading and the papers. If if it was just about that, I'm not sure why, why college is so damn expensive. That's not what it's about. And work is not just about Slack or, you know, hitting your numbers or the Excel spreadsheet or, you know, being really good at Gmail or being really good at Outlook or, you know, really good at responding to whatever task management software company, uh, software your, your company uses. That's not what work is. Work is 
about coming together and sharing ideas and learning and listening and communicating and disagreeing and laughing and, you know, having conflict. Like that's what work is. Same with learning. Learn The whole point of college, as I at least understood it when I went to a liberal arts school was, was conversation and, and the, the life between classes, right? Student life and those relationships. That's what kind of gives you the tools to become an adult. That's that kind of fundamental time. You can get some of that in a chat room, but not all of it. So I think we're at this, we're at a crossroads now. And I think the cool thing is we have more questions than answers. I think that that's good. I think we're finally kind of unpacking some of the uh, assumptions that maybe we had that, oh, technology is amazing or technology is going to solve all our problems. Maybe that's what it is. We had an assumption that, okay, technology is going to solve learning e-learning, online learning, technology, it's cheaper, it's more accessible. You, you don't have to have uh, as much money. You can be taking the same class wherever you are in the world. Awesome. That's great. That doesn't mean that technology is going to solve all our problems, or it doesn't mean that the future of learning is only technology or that the future of work is only remote work, digital work. So let's question that assumption. doesn't mean we know the correct answer, but let's start to have the conversation around what is the right interplay, what is the right balance. Assuming that we have a post-COVID post COVID world, a lot of people are going to want something more, something different. I, you know, People are saying, well, me, we're not going to go back to the office. I'm like, I think actually we're going to go back to a much more robust co-working situation, uh, a much more robust campus life. Now, maybe it shouldn't cost $100,000 to go to college. That's a good thing, conversation to have for people to spend a lot of money, go into debt and not have a job when they get out. Yeah, let's have that conversation. That's not working. But that maybe we can rethink, we can have, you know, some stuff be online, but also people do projects or travel together, or meet up together and do service learning projects in person, or have meetup groups, whatever it is, that let's, let's question these assumptions that we've made that technology has our best interests in mind is that, is, and that technology is going to solve all our problems. So Adam, I'm curious a little bit more about the loneliness because obviously you were planning this book on friendship and loneliness before the situation that forced a lot of us to quarantine and, and be cut off from people. I'm curious about your personal experience with loneliness, where loneliness has touched you and why you felt that it's this you know issue to apprehend. I have a, a pretty interesting experience about this. So I, you know, I'm a very social person. My nickname is Smiley. I have lots of friends. I, for a living you know, share my work. I'm an author. I'm a speaker. I get to interact with people. I am a counselor at things like Camp Grounded. I, you know, do these talks for students all around the world. I speak at companies. So I interact with a lot of people. So I have a lot of social interaction in my life, which I'm very blessed to have. But I still sometimes feel very empty inside and I feel very lonely. And I'm smiley, right? And I have all of these people that I get to interact with. So if I'm going through this, and if I'm experiencing this, this loneliness, this sense of uh, comparing myself to others, and the fear of missing out, and the social media jealousy, and uh, ooh, I wonder, 
I'm being left out. Something else is happening. Why am I not there? Why wasn't I invited? Uh, or what are all the other options? Or, you know, or just this sense of really being alone in a very complicated, overwhelming world where things are moving so quickly. Yeah. If I'm experiencing that, so is everyone else. So are many people. And this book kind of was born out of that feeling and these conversations with a lot of young people and people of all ages, frankly, um, to kind of remind people that they're not alone and that we're going through this together. And that no matter how much you uh, see people online that you think are super connected or killing it or have these amazing social lives, again, we're all going through this and it's not something that's checkmarked or solved. It's going to be a lifelong journey and a lifelong, uh, it's going to be the work of, of, of living a meaningful and connected life in the digital age that sometimes we can, that sometimes and often is overwhelming, right? So giving people kind of the simple solutions to navigate this because I, you know, it's, it's hard to figure it out. And I think that that's what one of the blessings that Levi and Camp Grounded really provided was, you know, hey, this this isn't the solution, right? There was the Esalen article, uh, the Esalen article that was written in the New Yorker that kind of profiled, hinted a little, uh, talked a little bit about about our workshop, and kind of saying a little bit of a critique on, well, this is how this isn't enough of a solution, right? Or this is just you know a weekend away, or this doesn't actually change people. You know, they're still going to go back on social media. They're still going to be, you know, the technology forces are, are too addictive and too powerful. I'm like, I, I agree. I'm not saying it's the solution. It's a solution. It's part of a larger conversation about rethinking the systems that we have in place, our habits, behaviors, um, how we work, how we live, how companies should design tools. Uh, so that we're having this conversation on many different levels. It is not something that one person or one group is going to solve or one company or one app is going to solve. This is a lifelong navigation and recalibration of what matters in the world uh, and how we can show up fully. And I think that that's the same thing with loneliness. I think that a lot of, you know, the writing on it assumes that, hey, this is something that you can solve for. Uh, I would actually assume that this is something that is a fact of life in the digital age, right? That um, this is a constant struggle, is a constant question, and that we have to really, you know, constantly be checking in and saying, like, how do I feel right now? Oh, do I feel sad? That's okay. Good. Sometimes it's good to feel sad. Sometimes sometimes actually feeling alone and isolated uh, is is actually good. It's going to bring up, it's going to, Get us to a better place. It's got those those sensations that we have will influence our work, our art, um, our relationships. Um, this is not something that's a check mark to solve. This is something that is an ongoing practice. We don't just need a book about friendship or loneliness. That we this is this is one of the deep deep questions of you know the of what we're solving for for the future. You know, and I think it's actually interconnected with some of the other conversations we're having whether it's you know a sustainable future and solving for climate change and income inequality and a sustainable creating a sustainable world a sustainable society is how do we uh, increase social connection and be all step up and be you know ministers for 
for friendship uh, in our own communities. That's what this is really about because this is, this is the universal problem. It's not just, you know, it's not just teenagers. It's not just people that are on Facebook. It's not just people in America. It's, it's global. Uh, it's across ages. It's, it can work among younger people, but it's actually everyone is facing this. I was wondering if you could offer to the people who are listening to this podcast an exercise for the next five to 10 minutes. How can they effectively plug into your ideas around digital detox and enjoy themselves in some way that has nothing to do with technology? What could be one creative or positive thing that they could do for themselves? I mean, I think that right now what I'd be thinking about just in this moment on, um, you know, we're talking on May 12th, 2020. So I would say to just take a moment, close the screens, turn off the phone, maybe sit outside, take a couple of deep breaths and think about someone in your life that you care about that you haven't spoken to in a while that you haven't maybe checked in with uh, during the pandemic. Just think about your time with them and experience you had with them, a meaningful moment, something they gave you, something they taught you. And write them a note about it, write them a letter about it and send it in the mail. I know it sounds simple, but I think that that type of practice, um, which is something that we can all do safely right now, brings out not only gratitude, celebration, friendship, connection, uh, reconnection, I think it's a very powerful practice. That's really beautiful. Well, Adam, thank you so much for taking the time to talk to us on Voices of Esalen today. Thanks so much for having me, Sam. I really appreciate it. Thank you for listening to Voices of Esalen. Today's show is produced in conjunction with Cheryl Franzel, Terry Gilby, Greg Archer, Shannon Hudson, and Kelly McKay. Our theme music is by Nico Holloman. Additional music is by Gumpop. You can find all of our podcasts on your favorite podcast player, as well as at esalen.org. The Esalen Institute is a nonprofit organization. Our show is made possible by your contributions. <laughs>